Welcome to my podcast series, Aging with Grace, 55 Plus, designed for anyone who wants to enjoy the journey of a lifetime after age 55. This is your host, Dale Josie, and episode 11 is made possible by Kentucky AARP and DPL Financial. This series provides useful tips not only for taking care of yourself, family, and friends, but also how to enjoy life more abundantly than many people even thought possible for those ages 55, 65, 75, and beyond. Some of our guests doing what many listeners only dream about or maybe even never thought possible. So enjoy their stories on this unique lifestyle podcast and be prepared to share your own along with hearing useful tips and vital information for everyone aging with grace. And and by the way, if you have a story idea that would appeal to our age group, then please email me, Dale, that's me, D-A-L-E, at awg55.com. Or drop a note in the U.S. mail addressed to me, care of Aging with Grace 55 Plus, P.O. Box 99112, Louisville, Kentucky 40269. In a few moments, our first guest, Jerry Harrah, shares her passion decorating living spaces for victims of spousal abuse, former drug addicts, alcoholics, and others on the fringes of society. Motivated by a desire to help their grandparents, cousins Jacqueline Teague, age 17, and Amelie Beck, age 15, created BacksConnectKY.com, which has so far helped 2,000 non-computer-savvy senior citizens register online for the COVID-19 vaccination. Then David Lau, founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners, shares the simplicity of annuities as a possible investment tool for retirement. Sincerely hope, and I think you will, enjoy listening to my guests as much as I did interviewing them. Episode 11 concludes with the story of a 17-year journey by Soaji Honda, who despite numerous setbacks and failures, persevered over 17 years to create a multinational company with $10 billion in annual revenues and over 100,000 people employed as employees in Japan and the USA. Welcome to this edition of Aging with Grace. The other evening, I was reading some essays on mindfulness, and the writer opens um, his essay by saying that um, few people like to think about aging. The truth is, we start growing older from the moment we are born, and you can either consider it a blessing or a curse. And to me, that's a very sobering thought, you know, that the moment a baby is born, the moment life begins, it's, um, there is an end to it, right? And the, and the thing is, though, not to get too sad, not to get too uh, depressed or sad about it, you know, time goes by fast. Matter of fact, in the blink of an eye, seems like just yesterday we were kids, I was a kid, you know, just uh, happy-go-lucky, 
child with a blessed childhood, a happy childhood, relatively happy. And then I became a busy adult, as all of us do. We marry, we have spouses, we have families, we have children, or we have a mortgage. Either way, life takes on its own momentum based by what we are doing. And, it, and, and life happens so quickly that you don't even realize it, that we're just kind of blowing through that we're that there's a sense of complacency as we tick off our daily tick list, our daily list of things to do. We don't realize life is passing until something like an illness, until something like a tragedy of a death of a friend or family member, whomever, shakes us out of our daily complacency and reminds us of the ticking clock of mortality. Get, aging is a gift. And there's no way we will recognize the gifts of aging if we are trapped in fear of time or resentment about what we have lost. By changing our perspective, we can begin to be grateful for every day we are awake. And it is truly a gift. Some people die young. Others lived over 100 years old. So to say that I... I, I, um, you know, to say that I regret that I'm getting older, well, consider the alternative, right? You're not here. So we cannot escape the cycle of life, aging, and death. You know, but I guess since we can't escape those cycles, we also have to understand that no one wishes to be old. But yet, according to polls, older people consistently rate higher on happiness levels. Because as we age, age brings wisdom, including the ability to recognize that each moment, no matter how boring or trivial, is a moment to be cherished because it will never come back again. I want to repeat that. No one wishes to be old. Nevertheless, older people consistently poll the highest in happiness levels. Yeah, because we begin to celebrate moments as we age. And those moments uh, that we celebrate, you know, they turn into days, into weeks, months, and years. But when we live our life on autopilot, trapped in a loop of past and future worries, we wake up one day filled with painful regret for what might not have been. And so, as I look back on aging, and I encourage all of us to not see it as something to be endured, but to see it as endless possibilities. And I mean that. Some people are going to listen to this, say, eh, you know, rah, 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 rah. okay, you know, we'll go on down the road. Rah, 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 rah. I choose, and many others in the majority choose, to enjoy and embrace aging as truly a gift. Not something to be resentful about, but every day thanking God we got one more day to, to be alive, one more day to make a difference. So rather than focusing on what we don't have, rather than focusing on the aging aspect, I encourage us in conclusion to keep in mind something that Sophia Lauren, American actress, matter of fact, she was named one of the greatest, um, she was named the 21st greatest actress of all time by the Academy of, of uh, Motion Picture Industry. Sophia Lawrence said, and I'll conclude with this, there is a fountain of youth. It is your mind. 
your talents, the creativity that you bring to your life and the lives of people you love. When you learn to tap this source, you will truly have defeated age. The AARP Andrus Award for Community Service is an annual awards program developed to honor individuals whose service is a unique and valuable contribution to society. Last year, the National AARP recognized 50 outstanding individuals and couples from around the country. And so right here in Louisville, Kentucky, we have an Andrus Award winner for 2001. It's a wonderful young lady named Jerry. Jerry, I thought you'd like that, Jerry. Uh, yes. it's, it's Jerry. <laughs> in quotes, young and in quotes. Jerry Hara, uh, who is a delightful 80 years young. And Jerry and her husband founded the nonprofit organization called God's Designs. Her husband regrettably passed away several years ago, but Jerry has kept the organization going. And now I'd like to welcome Jerry Hera to Aging with Grace. Jerry, are you there? Good morning. I am here. I'm here. <laughs> yes. Yay. And I just want to thank you, Dale, for inviting me to come and do a podcast with you. I think it'll be a lot of fun and I feel very honored and very privileged Oh, you're very sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. When we were looking at uh, different Andrus Award winners, uh, Scott Wagonest, Wagonest, who's the uh, status uh, director for Kentucky AARP, said, Dale, you've got to talk to Jerry. And now I see why. I absolutely see why. So so we're going to kind of get into it here because you you have fans, Jerry, and I'll be rapidly becoming a fan. Well, well, yeah. Well, I want to thank AARP, too, for recognizing me and, you know, honoring me with that reward. So absolutely. Absolutely. So you have uh, you started something called God's Designs. you know, let's talk a little bit about that. And then before we get to God's designs, uh, you have a unique background as uh, we were talking off mic, you have experience as an interior designer. Right. Mm-hmm. I did that for about 33 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but what was interesting is how you got into it. You said you did a friend's house 30 years ago. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, actually, I had not majored in interior design. I had majored in elementary education, but I often had people saying I really needed to do that. We moved a lot. So I was always having an opportunity to redo our house. And um, so anyway, a friend of mine asked if I would come and redecorate their home for them over in Hirschborn. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, we had to have it uh, all completed for her husband's 50th birthday. So uh, what I did, I made up some cards <laughs> that said Jerry's interior design. And so when we went to this party and everybody wanted to know who decorated her house and I handed out my cards and that's how I got started. <laughs> I got a, uh, about six jobs from her friends, and then it just was all word of mouth. Wow. 
Wow. So, so sounds just like uh, it was just kind of whimsical in the beginning. You just thought you'd give it a whirl, do a favor for a friend, and right. you, you launched a career for yourself. How cool is that, Jerry? Well, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was really, I mean, it's my passion. The goal of God's Designs is to provide a pleasant atmosphere for people who have previously been homeless and to give them a, just a nice home where not only they, but their children, if they have children, can thrive. And our model is making a house a home because we did not want to just go in and drop off furniture. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make it homey, to make mm-hmm. it a home. Because mm-hmm. I think that's very important. I think, you know, I think after so many of these people are sleeping on the floor, they have no cooking utensils, they have nothing. And that can get pretty old, I think, after a mm-hmm. while. Yeah. And um, I think it just makes a big difference. And so we go in and we completely, uh, we do curtains, we do flower arrangements, we put pictures on the wall, we, mm-hmm. uh, we do a complete makeover. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's something like the uh, TV show Extreme Makeover? Is would you is that fair to say? Yeah, we call it a, a mini Extreme Makeover. <laughs> it is kind of like that because we ask the client to leave. Mm-hmm. We want them to leave. We do not want them there while we're working. And and part of that because we want you know it to be a surprise. And usually when they leave, most often it's a completely empty home. And then they come back and they have a completely decorated house. And that, that is the best part of the day. That is oh, the day. oh, yeah. Oh. And that is our reward. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's just, and especially if they're children, mm-hmm. you know, and the children, I mean, the way they react, it's, it's just uh, amazing, you know. Yeah, that's so awesome. So, so let's just make sure we set the stage. Uh, some of these folks don't even have a bed to sleep in. Uh, you and your team, we'll talk about your team in a minute, but you basically meet with them, figure out what their favorite color, their hobbies. Is that kind of how this goes? Mm-hmm. You kind of inventory their interests, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I usually go and uh, interview them the week before. And, um, you know, and I always say, you know, what's your favorite color? I can't guarantee it. It's because everything's donated. So it's whatever we have, but, you know, if we have your favorite color, we'll bring it. So, mm-hmm. and most people will say, I don't really care. You know, they'll uh, say, they'll just say, I'll just be so grateful for anything. That is so but, good. But a that lot of, so you know, good. a lot of times they'll be like, are you, we always say, are you a UK fan or are you a Bell fan? And, mm-hmm. you know, if they tell us that, then sometimes we can bring, you know, little things, you know, that have to do with that particular team. Mm-hmm. And uh, particularly kids, sometimes we've done like a whole room yeah. in UK or UL. Yeah. And that's fun. And here's something I think is very interesting. Your friend, uh, or I guess she's on your board or one of your volunteers, Debbie Bannon. I guess you know Debbie. Bannon. Oh, yes. You know Debbie. <laughs> yeah. But, but she says, and I quote, rather than taking it easy at her 80s, Jerry... Hera chooses to run an organization by recruiting volunteers. Uh, that's just amazing that you are this busy recruiting these volunteers. So, so Jerry, what do your volunteers do? Oh, my gosh. Our, this program would not exist without our volunteers because they are the most dedicated people I have ever, ever seen. They are wonderful. And we have 
uh, every Tuesday, we do it, we furnish an apartment for our house. And the first thing at 8.30 in the morning, all of the people who are going to deliver furniture arrive at the warehouse. We get it all loaded onto our different trucks. And we usually have several trucks and vans and we'll have a caravan going out. <laughs> and the five men come every Tuesday. I don't have to say, are, you know, are you coming Tuesday? The same five men come every Tuesday. And then in addition to that, we usually get two helpers from the healing place. Mm-hmm. And they come and they like to help um, because, um, you know, that's just part of their program too. you know, mm-hmm. to, to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. So um, that starts our day. And then when we get to the apartment or to the house, then our team of workers start arriving. Mm-hmm. And I never know who's going to come. I just every week I send out an email. This is where the next job is. If you can come, you know, hoping you can come. So I never really know who's coming, but we could have anywhere from six to 12 people showing up. And wow. uh, Yeah. And most of them are women. We have two men that come and they're invaluable because they do a lot of the installations like, Mm -hmm. you know, hanging curtain rods and hanging ears and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's just wonderful, our, our volunteers, because and usually it's the same women. You know, it's mm-hmm. on Tuesday. It's the same people that come. Yeah. And then, that's what's so amazing, you know, because they're all so extremely dedicated. And then mm-hmm. on Wednesday, we work at the warehouse getting ready for the next job. Mm-hmm. So they come to the warehouse and then we get the job ready. Mm-hmm. And we have like a design center and we start pulling things together and uh, well, getting it ready. Well, let's talk a little bit about the warehouse. Uh, the warehouse suggests that you're getting furniture and material donated. So where is it being donated from and how are you collecting the furniture, Jerry? Well, <laughs> it uh, the furniture, it we, we've had to actually put pickups on hold right now because we just get so many calls. So we're never in, you know, lacking furniture. We just uh, get calls constantly for people mm-hmm. because a lot of people like just like you're doing or downsizing right and they have to get rid of their furniture their kids usually don't want it and so there are just a lot of people out there with furniture a dedicated team and jerry before we get deeper in and as we go to our close uh what is your website for god's designs it's god's designs inc it's just god's designs inc okay i can see that's it got it and is it a dot com or dot dot org? Com. All right. Very good. So for for listeners uh, to this segment of Aging with Grace, we have the pleasure of interviewing, speaking with Jerry Hara. She's uh, one of 50 Andrus Award winners, uh, Andrus Award being one of the national awards for community service. And we're quite proud here in Kentucky that this year, Jerry is our Andrus Award winner. And you're listening to Aging with Grace, which is sponsored in part by Kentucky AARP. Um, so, Jerry, you know, you talk about these folks being being motivated. Um, and, and I love the idea of this many extreme makeover kind of a thing. So when people, when you, what do you do? You go to the house and you say to these young ladies, can you leave for the day? Does someone entertain them? And then your crew comes in and and and, and uh, does the install. Is that basically it in a nutshell? That's it. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so these so folks, they have, go ahead, dear. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, they have to find a place to go. I always say, do you have a place, you know, that you can go? Yeah. And often they will. Once in a while, they don't. But generally, they have a place mm-hmm. that they can go. It's member or somebody. Yeah, it's such a blessing, you know, because for, for all of us, we sometimes we take for granted that we have a house, right? We have a mortgage. Right. That's, that's, that's just, you get the house and the picket fence. And I think sometimes for those of us who are blessed, we need to step back for a minute and realize that is not guaranteed, that it's something that uh, that, that we've made decisions uh, which have taken us down this path. But then others have also made those decisions, but then through abuse or through other situations, they got knocked off the path. And Jerry, in conclusion, I think it's just amazing what you're doing with God's designs that at as a as an octogenarian, I might I must say a very good looking young octogenarian. <laughs> you are just uh, well, you're welcome, madam. You're just, it's just amazing what you're doing. Your energy and your enthusiasm is inspiring. And I'm not the only one saying that, but that's also some of your volunteers have also said that as well in terms of nominating you for being an Andrews Award winner, including your uh, chief cheerleader, cheerleader uh, De- Debbie Bannon. Debbie, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Debbie and her husband, they come every Tuesday and help. And John is uh, wonderful. You know, he's one of our installers. And uh, so that's really good. Yeah, we really enjoy having them. Well, this has been wonderful. Jerry, I truly appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And uh, certainly wish you the best uh, as you continue making a difference in people's lives. Uh, Thank you so much for your time this day. Well, I thank you. I thank you for allowing me to do this. It's been a pleasure. Listeners, as you enjoy the next segment of uh, this podcast series, A Shot of Hope, my interview with two young women, Amelie and Stephanie, regrettably, I made a couple of mistakes. I misspoke on a couple of times the name of their website. So when you hear me say it, remember, it is VaxConnectKY.com. That's V-A-X-ConnectKY.com. This uh, segment of Aging with Grace, um, we also like to deal with timely issues. Listeners know that we touch on different subjects. And one of the things right now that is paramount in our time is COVID. Um, especially considering how it's ravaging all of our populations. Um, Right now, according to statistics I was reading earlier, with one in four adult adult Americans are now fully vaccinated against COVID-19. And thanks for that number is growing every day. And the end of the pandemic seems within reach. But now we have these fast spreading variants, right? And as we age, the risk of severe illness and being hospitalized for COVID-19 increases. As a matter of fact, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the greatest risk for severe illness is among those 85 or older. And as we age, we certainly look at computers, we look at everything going online, but there seems to be a hesitancy, if you will, to embrace the new technologies. Well, thankfully, there are two amazing young ladies 
who have simplified this process. They're both uh, students at, um, at uh, Sacred Heart Academy. And what I like about them is that they are truly game changers for those of us as we age. And so now it is my pleasure to welcome Jacqueline and Amelie to Aging with Grace. Jacqueline and Amelie, are you there? Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an amazing story what you guys are doing. Um, you started something called Vax Kentucky, Connect Kentucky. But before we get there, um, Jacqueline, start off with, with what the process was and what was the challenge? So the main challenge we encountered when getting when signing up to get your vaccine was that the whole process was only online. And for us who, you know, online is part of our everyday life, it doesn't seem like an issue. But there is a huge population of Americans and people all over the world who don't have any access to the Internet, let alone the savvy to operate it. Mm -hmm. So we understood this to be a huge problem because honestly, a, a large portion of the people who are most at risk um, fall into this category of not knowing exactly how to use a computer or knowing how to use that technology. So we took it upon ourselves to use kind of our knowledge and experience with this sort of software mm -hmm. to help those people um, sign up to get their vaccines. That's pretty cool. And so, Amelie, uh, you see this need, and then you, you just kind of stepped into it. I like what Jacqueline said, but it wasn't that easy, was it? I mean, you know, how do you begin? How did you start? Um, it all started with our grandparents who were having trouble to sign up for the vaccine. And um, like Jacqueline said, it's just it, we realized it was a universal issue with a lot of senior citizens who um, didn't know how to work the technology. And they were hesitant about putting their personal information out there because um, maybe they didn't trust the technology as much as our generation would. Mm -hmm. And so we just decided that it would um, be beneficial to a lot of people if we decide to step in and help the seniors. Mm -hmm. And so once you've done this, did it, uh, did you find, well, first of all, first of all, you have to come up with a name, right? You just can't say, did you, did you say shots or us or, <laughs> or did you come up with something a little bit more shots or us? It's pretty good. That could be a pain in the, nah, eh, we won't go there. Uh, but the way to go with shots or us, but what did you come up with as a name? <laughs> So we came up with Vax Connect KY or Vax Connect Kentucky. I think we just kind of decided that on a whim. I don't really think a ton of <laughs> thought went into it. Honestly, we just kind of thought, what are we doing? Connecting people with vaccines. Where mm -hmm. are we doing Kentucky? So <laughs> it all Vax Connect KY. Okay. So Vax KY, V-A-X KY. Or Vax Connect KY. Vax. Okay. Go ahead and spell it out for me. Go ahead and say it again. V-A-X uh -huh. C. And then E C T and then K Y. So you came up with a name, and then uh, you just started. Uh, you got the word out. First of all, before we talk about the media attention, who were your, some of your first people that you started helping? You mentioned your grandparents. I guess they were first to sign up. Yes, and we also helped our grandparents' friends and other family friends who kind of fell into that same age range. Mm -hmm. And then we flyer that our grade school and high school. Um, posted on social media that gathered a lot of attention. 
And we talk about gathering a lot of attention. This thing has been a groundswell. Uh, you know, it started small. You've been on local media. You've talked to a lot of different people. We're going to talk about a huge national exposure in a second. But you've had a lot of interviews to date. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so, Amelie, some of these interviews, uh, what were they like? And Jacqueline, what was your favorite part of the interviews? Amelie, we'll start first with you. Um, I think in the beginning, I think the first interview we did, we were really nervous. And um, I didn't. I don't think either of us expected to this to be something to be interviewed about. I think our main um, focus was just trying to get seniors vaccinated. And I think both of us were pretty surprised when um, news stations and stuff that like that started reaching out. And it was honestly pretty surreal. Yeah, pretty surreal, I'll bet. And then Jacqueline, what was your favorite part? Um, I think my favorite part about being interviewed has to be just kind of getting the message out there and not only spreading the word for what Amelie and I are doing, but also just kind of bringing the issue to light and encouraging others to do similar things with people that they know so that mm -hmm. we can help get everybody vaccinated. So I think just spreading the word. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys have been uh, pretty humble about it. Um, but apparently it got on the radar screen of Prince Harry. So uh, either one of you, first of all, uh, Jacqueline, what was that like? And Amelie, what was your impression of uh, Prince Harry? Um, that was unbelievable. I don't think Amelie or I um, expected to be recognized um, on a global scale by Prince Harry at all. It was unbelievable. And I just remember watching the ceremony on my couch and being just flabbergasted when I heard Prince Harry say my name because I oh. truly never expected that. Oh, wow. And so you're pretty laid back at it with it. And then Amelie, well, uh, how did it hit you hearing Prince Harry say your names? Well, I was, I was also sitting on the couch with my mom. <laughs> and we were watching the ceremony and it was, I was, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was really insane when we heard um, his speech build up and then he started talking about um, us. I was shocked. I honestly, like my heart leapt into my throat. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> so your responses, though, you guys told me off mic, it was really, was it uh, afterwards or before? Because you seem kind of laid back, right? I mean, right. This, is, this is Prince Harry, but you guys are kind of like, eh. It's just a prince, but but really, it, it, it wasn't in real time. That's what I'm trying to say, right? It was not. And I part of me wishes that it had been because, like you said, my response did come off a little nonchalant. I was told when I filmed it um, just to act excited, and I didn't think that I would have to act that excited. Um, I probably wouldn't have had words, honestly, if they had filmed it live. And for our listeners, and by the way, we're speaking with uh, with Jacqueline and Amelie who are students at Sacred Heart Academy, and they created something called VaxConnect.ky for, um, for seniors to get their COVID shots. And they're being very demure about their media coverage because we just talked about Prince Harry was kind of like ho-hum. But now you guys are in People Magazine. <laughs> now, is that not cool or what? It's crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that one was really crazy. I, I, go ahead, dear. 
Well, I, my mom texted me while I was at school and she sent me the article and I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. So right now today, uh, on, uh, on October the uh, 7th, it's in this week's edition of people magazine, which is on newsstands now and also arriving in everyone's mailboxes, including mine tomorrow. I can't wait to read it and see you guys. Um, when did that interview take place and how did that go for you? Um, that took place, I, I want to say a week ago ish mm-hmm. with school. It's I'm my whole concept yeah. of time is completely ruined, but I want to say, and it was, it was really great. I really enjoyed that interview. The reporter was really sweet. You've also actually are helping people, uh, so with some very impressive numbers. How many to date? Um, over 2000 people. Yeah. And so 2000 people, Jacqueline and Amelie, have anybody said anything back to you? Like, we can't believe this or, I mean, what's been the reactions of the people that you're helping? Um, we got a lot of bless yous and, um, there was people crying, uh, when they called us and they left voicemails, just completely breaking down because they were so relieved to get the shot and, they were so relieved to get out of their homes. And I think everyone was just so depressed and lonely throughout COVID and to, um, people call it a shot of hope. And it really is a shot of hope because it just lets people get back to their lives. Mm-hmm. And what year are you in, uh, Amelie right now? What grade? I'm a sophomore. And Jacqueline? I'm a junior. You're a junior. So as a sophomore and a junior, you have really impacted the world, not just for now, but I dare say, you know, for, I mean, your kids, kids will look back. What were they doing at 21? Well, they were getting shots. They were getting in People Magazine. It was amazing. Let me put my teeth in and tell you about it. That will be, be you guys talking to your kids. Hopefully better than what I sounded. But the point is, but the point is don't, don't lose the moment of what you've done, you know, this is, this is incredible work. Um, I want to kind of get your thoughts on it because whether it's right or wrong, I think your generation has been tainted with a brush of being very concerned only for themselves, being self-centered and self-focused. And that's why not only are you saving lives, but you've broken the mold for your generation. And I don't want to put that onus on you and make it sound bigger than it is. But in reality, from my humble position, I think that's what you've done. You know, and so looking back on this, um, what are your thoughts, you know, in terms of what you've done? I really appreciate your humility, but kind of step out of your humility for a moment and tell me how this affects you in terms of what you've done for over 2,000 people. Um, I'm just really grateful to have been able to affect these people's lives. Um, we had a few people, we had one man in the beginning who we helped and he was very desperate to get the vaccine. And we ended up actually helping a couple of his other family members. And a little after he received his second shot, he was calling us from Florida golfing and like really living his life. Um, and he hadn't for the past year before that. And so I think that was just such an inspiring story. And to be able to say that Amelie and I maybe had a a part to play in some of those stories of people finally being able to return to their regular life activities after such a long and depressing year, I think it's just so rewarding. And I'm so thankful to be able to say that. 
Uh, Amelie, same question. Yeah, I think that um, what Jacqueline said, it's it feels really good to know that we've impacted this many people and that um, we've even been a part of their story in getting the vaccine. And um, I think that advocacy is something that me and Jacqueline um, are focused on because um, it was a human rights issue that uh, seniors couldn't get the vaccine because in the beginning, um, you had to have Wi-Fi, you had to have a computer, you know, you couldn't just use your landline or anything like that. Um, so I think that the advocacy part is really important to us. And it was just, it's honestly insane. Um, it really is crazy. Thanks again, you guys, so much for making uh, not only COVID real, but also making the solution for the end of a scourge very real as well for quite a few people. Take care. Good talking to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. much. As part of this segment, and as you know, in each uh, episode of Aging with Grace, I always like to continue to share information that all of us can use, um, especially you know, when it comes to something that's extremely critical to us, which is um, our financial future. A lot of us have worked very hard in our time, uh, earning wages that have accumulated in retirement plan accounts. And then as challenging times have come about, we have to protect and make the most of our next nest eggs that hopefully with careful tending will continue to last a lifetime. All of our financial decisions, those in the past, those that we are making now have big impact on our lives. This is paramount to who our survival in the future, right? Um, matter of fact, a recent survey I read said that the, uh, Number one fear that Americans share as we age is that Social Security is drying up, you know, and then 55% of people think there's not going to be anything there for them as they go towards retirement. So that's why we look forward to bringing this periodic financial segments to you and to demystify and discuss some creative strategies to consider in protecting your and my financial future. We're pleased to welcome back to Aging with Grace, David Lau founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners. Those of you who are listeners to uh, Aging with Grace, um, you understand that David is a sought-after speaker. He's a commentator and advisor to financial journalists. Uh, he has received coverage in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Barron's, etc. And I love the fact that David is a disruptor to the financial <laughs> investment industry. So, David, welcome back to Aging with Grace, my friend. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, thanks, Dale. Really happy to be here uh, and enjoy being on your program. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. You know, as we get into this, um, one of the things um, that, we, you know, that right up front, candidly, DPL Financial Partners uh, promotes is our annuities. And I think we should de demystify that a little bit by having a working definition of an annuity before we get into some content, some questions for today. Um, just a brief working definition of an annuity and why you think it's uh, advisable for people to have. Sure. So today, it's probably the most challenging time in, in our history to retire. Uh, you know, retirement, you know, some of the challenges you were mentioning, I mean, Social Security, most people believe it's going to be there, don't know, you know, if it's going to pro be providing full benefits, 
Uh, corporate pensions are you know rare these days, and unless you work you know in the you know uh, government sector or perhaps in a you know in a union, uh, and interest rates are so low that safe investments like bonds or CDs yield so little that providing retirement income is is a real challenge. Mm-hmm. So. An annuity is a product that was built to generate lifetime income. There are, you know, there are several different types of annuities, but you know, fundamentally at the core of the product, it's a product that is is there to generate guaranteed lifetime income, which mm-hmm. is a really important product today, you know, given those particular challenges. And you know what we're doing differently here at, at DPL than than literally anywhere else is we're taking the commission out of the products. We're lowering the cost for consumers dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our, our products are you know, roughly 80% cheaper than you know, commission versions of the same product. Mm-hmm. And you know, you mentioned I'm a disruptor. I, you know, some people call me that. Uh, what you know, what I prefer to think of me as is a consumer advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked in financial services for 30 years, trying to drive costs out of products for the you know for the betterment of the end consumer. And I've done that in banking, building the first internet bank. I've done you know I've done it in brokerage. You know, where I was you know at E Trade. And you know now we're trying to do it in the insurance market where we're you know, really driving costs out of products so you know so customers can get better value. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, but you know when you talk about annuities, and one of the things you talked about is the you know the bond market, which I know a lot of people of a certain age have relied on. You know, I'll just buy bonds, and now, like you said, right. it, the market is not there. Um, but you're positioning annuities. And I want to make sure we really hammer this home. That you're suggesting it as a self-funded social security net. Would that be a fair assessment for an annuity? Yeah, it's it's you know it's that's the way to think about it because you know people you know want to understand the context. You know you right. should understand what you're buying. You know what's the purpose of this product? And an annuity is built there. You know built to be you know call it a self-funded pension. You know a self-funded social security. You know social security is an annuity. Uh, by the way, <laughs> um, you know people love annuities because they love guaranteed lifetime income. You know they can get intimidated by either the sales process because you know there you might be dealing with a commissioned salesperson or you know the product complexity and you know at, at DPL we're trying to address both those problems mm-hmm. you know by simplifying products taking the commissioned sales agent out of out of the equation because that benefit you know that you described you know having that that personal pension you know to to fund your retirement income in a very predictable way is tremendously appealing you know to many you know retirees mm-hmm. you know I, uh, many of whom I know personally like even my own father went through you know, went through this mm-hmm. um, where you know he, he struggled to retire because you know, he, you know, he wasn't by his financial advisor being presented with a plan that he was comfortable with, mm-hmm. you know, variable income. Uh, and, you know, I talked to him about annuities and, you know, that frankly helped get him over the hump, but mm-hmm. they're super important products, you know, not only financially, but that, you know, that psychological aspect. 
Mm-hmm. We'll talk. I think in the future we'll visit the uh, psychological psychological aspect because there is something to that. Um, you know, we're in a generation where we're used to getting a paycheck every couple of weeks. And now you, once you retire, you get a yep. paycheck once a month. And that's a whole different psychology that I hope we can touch on uh, yes. in, in the future. But, you know, when you talk about uh, predictability, um, you know, folks listening to the program, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, the one question, David, is how long will my money last? Yep. You know, so, so what you're suggesting is with some degree of predictability, and then looking at perhaps actuarial tables for lifespan, you can kind of make some predictions from, from annuities. Is that, a, is that too much of a stretch? Yeah. I mean, the, the, I think the easiest way to think about it, Dale, is you know, when you think about your retirement and you want to think about your retirement income and making sure your money lasts, you know, think, of, think of your money and in t- your spending in two different ways. What's essential? You know, what, what do you have to have? You know, money to cover you. You need it for your home, your house, your food, your you know, healthcare. You know, what are your essential expenses? And then, what are discretionary, like vacations or you know, or you know, trips or going out to dinner? You know, you know, things that are you know more you know discretionary. You can you you'd rather have them, but but you you're willing to give them up if you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and think about your you know your spending and your needs in that way. And so many people like the notion of of supplementing their social security with the income from an annuity to cover their essential expenses. Mm-hmm. That brings you a tremendous amount of peace of mind. It's great, you know, financially to say, you know, all my essential needs are going to be covered for my life. And then the variable component, because your, your investments in your portfolio, they give you variable returns, right? The stock right. market's up sometimes, sometimes it's down. Well, leave that, those kind of variable investments to fund your discretionary spending, mm-hmm. right? So the stock market's having a good year. Maybe you can take a really nice vacation this year. Mm-hmm. If it's down next year, well, maybe you know, we tighten our belts a little bit you know, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, think about it in, in those terms. And I think a lot of people can then, you know, it, it helps make sense of how you want to think about your money. You know, think about it as essential and discretionary. Use certainty and products that deliver certainty, like annuities, for your essential expenses. Use variable products to, you know, fund things that are that are variable or can fluctuate. Mm-hmm. You know, if you hear anyone talking about annuities, the, nobody should have a strong position one direction or another. They should be talking to you about your individual needs, about your individual plan and whether an annuity makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're like, oh, I'd never do an annuity. You know, right. I, I don't believe them. Then, then they're not trustworthy either, nor <laughs> is the person who said you should put all your money into an annuity. I mean, so <laughs> strong positions on, on either end of the spectrum are not good. As we conclude this episode of uh, episode 11 of Aging with Grace, I'd like to share an inspirational story that I found um, the other day uh, reading something called Legends Online. And the story is about Sawaji Honda. I think it's important that we share some of these inspirational stories of people who've done some amazing things because we, we, we sometimes think it's just an overnight success. This story, as many, take a while to develop. 
and Honda's journey into a national, international, multi-billion dollar company covered 17 years and begins as follows. Because all of us are very familiar with Honda Motors. They're everywhere. Cars, motorcycles. But do you really know the story of how challenging it was for Mr. Soaji Honda to establish Honda Motors? Well, I'm going to share that story with you right now, which begins as follows. Like most other countries in 1930s, Japan was hit badly by the Great Depression. Soaji Honda, while he was still in school, decided that he would drop out of school and start a small workshop developing the concept of the piston ring. His idea was that he could sell the, his concept to Toyota and work for Toyota. Pursuing this dream, Soaji Honda labored night and day, even sleeping in the workshop, always believing he could perfect his design and produce a worthy product for Toyota. He was married by now, and he sold his wife's jewelry for working capital. Finally, the day came when he... <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta stop there. So, you're married, uh, sells his wife's jewelry. Honey, we're going out tonight. I need my pearls. Do you know where they are? Well, no. I, yes, honey, I do know where they are. I sold them to finance my dream for a piston engine. <laughs> How did that go over, I wonder, in terms of a, a marriage? <laughs> Anyhow, finally, back to the story. The day came when Soaji Honda completed his piston ring and was able to take a working sample to Toyota only to be told that the rings did not meet their standards. Oh, no! Soaji went back to school and suffered ridicule when the engineers laughed at his design of a better piston ring. He refused to give up. And rather than focusing on failure, Soaji Honda continued working towards his goal. Then, after two more years of struggle, two more years of redesign, he won a contract with Toyota. Now, remember, this story covers a 17-year arc, including World War II. And so, at the end of World War II, Soaji Honda found that was looking at his neighbors and other members of his community, all forced to ride bicycles or walk because of the extreme gasoline shortage. So, Honda went to his workshop and built a tiny engine and attached it to his bicycle. So he's out buzzing around his neighborhood on his bicycle, around his neighborhood, and his neighbors wanted one. Hey, Bubba, we want one of those. And although he tried to re replicate, make more engines for bicycles, he could not meet the supply and the demand because raw materials could not be found. So, and those that he found were extremely expensive. So, here's where the story gets really incredible. So, Aji Honda wrote, hand wrote, an inspiring letter to 18,000 bicycle shop owners to ask for their support. Imagine that. This was before email, obviously way before internet, but handwriting 18,000 letters 
for someone to invest in his new invention of making small engines for bicycles. And guess what? 5,000 bicycle shop owners responded and advanced Soaji Honda what little money they could to help build his tiny bicycle engines. Unfortunately, as Honda was turning out his new engines, the first models were just too bulky to work well. So he continued to develop, continued to adapt, continued going back to the drawing board until finally he designed a small engine, which he dubbed the Super Cub, which became a reality and a huge success in Japan. And as his sales continued to double and triple in Japan, Soaji Honda began exporting his bicycle engines to Europe and to America. So, you think that's the end of the story of Honda Motors? Oh, no, 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 Pilgrim. There's more to come. Because, you see, there was another gasoline shortage. Remember the 1970s? Remember your history in America? We, too, were faced with a huge gasoline shortage. And so while automotive companies were forced to try to design a smaller engine, forced to try to design a smaller car, guess who already had a small engine and was able to pick up on the trend? That's right, Soaji Honda and his team, now experts in small engine design, began making small cars, smaller than anyone had seen before, and literally rode another wave of success with gasoline-driven, efficient engines. So today, Honda Corporation is a $10 billion annual company. $10 billion in annual sales in bicycles, motorcycle engines, and automobile engines, and employs over 100,000 people in the USA and Japan. So Aji Honda succeeded. And this is where we really want to focus and end our story. So Aji Honda succeeded because one man made a truly committed decision. One man acted upon it. And one man made adjustments despite all adversity he faced, continued to make adjustments on a continuous basis. Failure was simply not considered a possibility for Sawaji Honda. And in conclusion, Sawaji Honda, reflecting upon all of his success in building Honda Motor Corporation into an international company, he said this, and this is a quote I'm going to end with, 1% of your work results from the 99% that is called failure. Instead of being afraid of the challenge and failures, be afraid of avoiding the challenge and doing nothing. What we learn through failure becomes a precious part of us, strengthening us in everything we do. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Aging with Grace 55 Plus. This episode was presented in collaboration with Kentucky AARP and DPL Financial. Aging is a lifelong process. And if you choose to see new possibilities, I promise you, you will find them every day. Remember, aging is not a time of diminishment or being relegated to the sidelines of life. But this is a time of application of lessons taught by some of our best teachers, including experience. I'd love to hear from you. 
So please send emails to dale at awg55.com or visit our website, awg55.com. And now for the last thought of the day, this time from international film star Sophia Loren, who said, There is a fountain of youth. It's your mind, your talents, the creativity you bring to life and the lives of the people you love. When you learn to tap this source, you will truly have defeated age. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. And always, always be good to yourself and to others. Till next time, this is your host, Dale Joseph.